Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is sponsored by Epsilon. Today, I'm delighted to announce a unique opportunity for one lucky listener of Let's Talk Loyalty to enjoy a complimentary workshop with the loyalty experts at Epsilon. One brand every month will have the chance for a unique, independent loyalty lab, a review of your loyalty program, where Epsilon will share their expert ideas how to drive your program's performance to a whole new level. This workshop is a powerful way for you to measure and then increase the return on your investment in your loyalty program. So to apply, head over to letstalkloyalty.com forward slash epsilon and enter your details. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. Are you wondering about Web 3.0? blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, the metaverse, and NFTs. And more importantly, what their potential could be for your loyalty program. Web 3.0 is one of the hottest topics in business and society right now. But I, for one, am certainly finding it very challenging to know whether the hype around these is justified or is simply that, hype. Joining me today to share his passion for all things Web 3.0 is Stuart Evans, a strategy advisor and a proud proponent of disruptive thinking. With a passion for understanding and playing with new and emerging technologies that excite consumers and really engage them. If you're working in loyalty marketing, I know you'll enjoy my conversation today with Stuart Evans. He's an inspiring thought leader who joins us to simplify the facts from the fantasy. And if you're brave enough, he also shares some ideas to get started playing in the wonderful world of Web 3.0. So, Stuart, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. Delighted to be here. I feel like it's long overdue, Stuart. We've been talking about these wonderful topics for a long time, but we've never recorded them, huh? Yeah, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I never know if it's something I've got to say that's interesting to people. So maybe <laughs> there is, maybe there isn't. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll definitely find out. And of course, I always find it fascinating. Um, I always think of you, Stuart, as the uh, the font of all knowledge when it comes to Web 3.0. So we're going to test that today. We're going to put you on the spot. <laughs> when I get described as an expert, I typically turn around and say there aren't any because the stuff that I work in is moving so fast, you can't be an expert in this stuff. So I may learn a bit more than the next person and I try and keep up to speed, but uh, definitely not an expert and learning as fast as I can. Okay, well, thank you. And actually, that's a distinction I also make. Um, I tend to prefer the word specialist because I do think there are things I specialize in and therefore have some knowledge to contribute. So, yes, I like that uh, that distinction. So we'll call you a specialist. So with all of that uh, background, Stuart, we are here to talk about 
all to do with Web 3.0, but we're going to start as usual asking you about any favorite loyalty program that you as a, you know, loyalty specialist uh, or Web 3.0 specialist, what is it that you, I suppose, admire and respect at the moment in the middle of 2022? Gosh, okay. Well, as you know, I think Web 3.0 is something that people say is a... uh, is a misnomer. There's many naysayers in the marketplace. You know, is it going to be a thing? Is it related to loyalty? Is it actually real um, in any shape or form? Um, and I, therefore, I have to quote, I guess, the um, uh, the program, a loyalty program run by the browser Brave, which was created by the founder of Mozilla Firefox. And in a Web3 context, what they allow you to do is to um, be tracked or not tracked when you do your browsing. And if you are tracked, they will then monetize that tracking as Google does today. Yeah. But uniquely, they will then reward you back um, and they reward you back with crypto tokens um, called BAT, so basic attention token. And they launched this program um, a few years ago. And today they are running about 55 million customers collecting BAT token for browsing, using the Brave browser and Mm. controlling and monetizing their own data. And if you wanted a Web3 example of why things are different in Web3, controlling and monetizing and ownership is exactly what you need to do. Totally, totally. That is a wonderful example, Stuart. So thank you for that. I had not realized it was operating at that scale. Um, you know, I think we all kind of end up in our own little filtered world. Like, you know, I use Google Chrome, so therefore I assume the rest of the world does too. And clearly it is the dominant browser. But Lordy B, 55 million, that's absolutely incredible uh, scale they've achieved. And it's, uh, if you talk about Web3, the, um, let me mention before, my, my favorite words I learned from somebody else is, uh, you know, e-commerce Web3 is community driven and is not captive and extractive. It's not about, you know, yeah. billionaires going to, um, uh, taking joy rides to outer space. It's yeah. about community driven, owned and owned and operated by the community. So it's yeah. actually a mindset that's different as opposed to the technology underneath more so. Yeah, I think that is uh, something that you're the only person who's explained that to me. I think what I mentioned to you, Stuart, is uh, the first time I heard of this concept was, you know, the world famous inventor of the World Wide Web, Timothy Berners-Lee, who did uh, speak at Web Summit um, quite a few years ago now and talked about this mindset of, you know, the freedom, I think, to to create and communicate, uh, to use some of your other wonderful words, <laughs> but wh- who would you, I suppose, attribute? Do you think this is something that human beings are driving in terms of our preferences for a new way of being in terms of our digital experience? Or can it be connected back historically to somebody like Tim Berners-Lee? Or what would you say the origins are of Web 3.0? Oh, I think it's, um, I said it's a social movement. I think you can look at you know, the, I think it's again, 50 plus million daily active users of Roblox, you know, whether they're 13, 14 year olds, what mm-hmm. they're allowed to do is to go into their game space and create anything they like, do anything they like and go anywhere they want. So the freedom, um, and I think the, um, the Web3 space is about choice, freedom and control. 
Um, mm. And it's a social movement. And I think it comes from crypto natives. People have grown up thinking this way and acting this way. It's mm. come up from gamers who have access to freedom in the games they play, uh, yeah. which are very non-prescriptive these days. Yeah. Um, and it's a backlash against, you know, the e-commerce was captured by mm. you know the big guys um, yeah. and, and therefore captured and extractive. And mm. there's a backlash against it where people are launching protocols to um, stop that happening. Um, and I've worked on some of those where people are saying the reason for doing this is to allow freedom of community movement uh, mm. and commerce across a network and not have somebody take control and make it theirs. Um, if yeah. you wanted to give an example of exactly what Web3 is not about, mm. you know, Facebook capturing the word meta it's yeah. exactly anti-Web3. Um, yeah. It's exactly the opposite, and that's why there's a massive backlash against um, Mark Zuckerberg and his Zuckerverse and what he's trying to do there Yeah, from the, from the Web3 community. Yeah. And what about it fascinated you, Stuart? I know you've been studying this now. I think you told me since 2015. So mm. why was it that you were so fascinated? <laughs> oh, gosh. I... Uh, I read a magazine, actually, it was Wired magazine, and um, it said that uh, uh, Bitcoin is a programmable open source currency. And having spent at that point 20 plus years in loyalty, I thought I could take that, I can change the value proposition for customers, Mm -hmm. I can improve the tech stack underneath, and I'm pretty sure I can improve the commercials for both customer and business if I could use something like that. That was my starting point. Mm. I spent uh, 2015 learning and reading as much as I could. I attended the launch of Ethereum, DevCon 1 uh, in November, where they were live coding green screen on the big picture. I actually did did the maths just now. I think I tried to buy $1,000 of Ethereum or ETH as it was, uh, as it is, um, at that point in time. Mm. I just looked up the price. It was 42 cents, and this has done a million percent appreciation from now it <laughs> wow. would be worth about 10 million dollars today had i done that so um. oh dear oh <laughs> well i can only say i'm sorry to hear that Stuart. It, you should be a 10 10 times millionaire by now huh and since then we've been trying to use um and learning and you know and the way to learn i think is to try and do and a lot of yeah. people talk and i think what we've been trying to do with lots of different companies and clients is yeah how do we make this work how do we try and do this how do we yeah use crypto blockchain nfts for different things different ways um and i think most importantly um, what i've said to people is don't solve existing problems with new tech solve new problems with new tech because okay. old thinking on new tech is expensive old thinking. We need to actually break out of the mindset yeah. um, that we think we understand programs and customers and go forward into the yeah. Web3 nature and come back, therefore, to look at loyalty today. So I okay. haven't tried to move loyalty forward. I've actually stepped away from it to come back at loyalty from a, a Web3 mindset and perspective and see what we could do differently. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've no doubt there are some extraordinary examples of what can be done differently and what is being done differently, Stuart. But I do like uh, what you said, you know, just about, you know, individuals, for example. And again, we talked about this when we met last time. To me, there are so many conversations. These are the buzzwords. Everybody wants to be involved in Web 3.0 or seen to be um, at least testing learning. I think there is the appetite in certain companies, let's say the more, um, the braver kind of companies. Um, But I always feel like 
I don't know where to start as an individual loyalty marketer who, you know, is curious, I would say, and has never bought any crypto. Um, you know, I did consider buying, you know, a Bitcoin, I think in 2017, when I realized that all the cool kids were doing it. And then somebody told me it was $6,000 for one at the time. <laughs> so that kind of shut me up pretty quickly. And I've lost track. I know it's been all over the place now in recent months. But, you know, to take it back to its simplest, Stuart, you know, for the audience listening, as you know, I think, first of all, anybody listening to Let's Talk Loyalty has a love of the loyalty industry and so would really value your expertise um, and speciality uh, to go back to our, our former wording over the last 20 odd years. But if somebody like me doesn't have a clue about Web 3.0, Stuart, what can I do to educate myself? Like, where should I start? Gosh. Um... Well, one, reading, um, and there's a lot of stuff um, written, but actually it's not necessarily on LinkedIn. Um, so the Web3 movement actually operates on Discord. So find projects that you like and go and follow their Discord and get involved um, by seeing what people are posting through the official channels on and the unofficial channels on Discord um, okay. and Twitter. Um, so it doesn't really operate on LinkedIn as much as a traditional business does. Mm. Um, I think the, the way to learn is to do. Uh, and I think whether at sitting in a business and trying to launch a project, um, as people have done, and they mm. learn, um, you know, the hard stuff because <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. Um, but also as a consumer, I mean, you know, it, it's dead easy now to link something like a Coinbase wallet. You know, put a put a few dollars in there and go and buy some crypto. And by the way, it's probably not a bad time to be buying right now. Mm. Um, or had I said that last week, we'd be even better because uh, Ethereum's up a thirty percent in a week, so that's not a bad return in, in a week. Okay. Um, which is interesting because that also shows why consumers are interested in crypto too. Yeah. Now, there are use cases in the states where you know, pensioners are cashing in their four hundred one k retirement pension pots and putting it into Bitcoin because wow. they're seeing this appreciate and. You know, of course, you know it can depreciate as well. But the volatility of um, of crypto, potentially, particularly a market flow to crypto, is mm. what drives consumer attention. And that's why people yeah. are interested in it. Yes, it's gaming. Yes, it's gambling. I, I completely agree. Yeah, but we've got to look at that and go. But that's interesting, and people are bored. And how could we use that hmm. to get their attention? And that's what loyalty is about. At the end of the day, isn't it? You know, yeah. Creating value, creating attention, creating engagement. And you know, people are engaging with crypto in in a way that we should be able to replicate that and use some of that learning yeah. in the stuff that we we do. You know, I really, I think you've you've nailed an insight right there, Stuart. I was literally talking with somebody just here in the Irish market, generally about the programs and whatever. And, you know, we've also been talking about the UK, which you get is a market I admire for, for lots of the, the work that's done there. Um, and clearly I'm, I'm passionate about innovation and it's one of the reasons I have this show. But the conversation that we had was actually, we do feel that there is a lot of fatigue, a a lot of boredom. And, you know, we're not just thinking about Web 3.0, you know, for the sake of it, you know, to do something different. Like, I think the market needs something exciting. And I think that the volatility, as you said, is absolutely right. That's that's one concern. And that comes back to whether that individual has, I suppose, the the discipline to uh, to to manage the, you know, their assets in the marketplace, I would guess, um, which I wouldn't know. But what was occurring to me as you were talking about that as well, Stuart, is like my first concern as, as an individual when you talk about a Coinbase wallet. So pretty sure I could Google out, you know, Google that and figure out how to how to get involved. But 
are there, you know, fraud risks that I would need to take maybe a separate credit card to make sure that my crypto exposure, like I have some negative association with them, with cryptocurrencies in general, that I would almost like, you know, wonder, can I start with my current credit card and just get going? Or are there basic kind of fraud principles that apply in Web 3.0 that are different? Yeah, I mean, there's loads, of course, and caveat emptor. I think, um, you know, be aware of what you're doing and only only risk what you can afford to lose. I mean, let's let's get down to the basics. This is gambling. Effectively, you're putting money into crypto. Yeah. Um, but I think my, my point was about, you know, trying crypto, you know, what you yeah. would have seen in a 30% appreciation is your heartbeat would have gone up. You got excited <laughs> about that this week. Yeah. And that doesn't happen if you've got loyalty points sitting in an account that don't go anywhere. So yeah. I, I think, yes, of course, there's, um, you know, concerns and there's lots of things about, I'm sure we'll come on to, you know, things like energy concerns and and, and uh, green challenges with Bitcoin. Yeah. But um, I, I think, you know, the, the point is go try these things, go find out, um, keep it simple. You know, I just bought um, an NFT this morning. I spent $500. Um, it wasn't expensive. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, and I know what I'm doing. And I know why. And we'll talk about it in a minute. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of fun. Uh, and just go play. Uh, I think that also as an individual play, I think as a company, there's mm. also ways of playing. And, and you know, is anybody going to move their entire loyalty points portfolio onto, onto blockchain? No. No one's going to move billions of dollars of points onto blockchain. No CFO is going to sign that off. It's Mm. just not going to happen. Maybe Mm. a new startup might start on blockchain and prove it, and and that's what BAC did. Um, But um, there are ways of using blockchain technology underneath, which Mm. we've talked about before, has um, a number of capabilities within um, uh, running a loyalty program, which is better than traditional tech, arguably. Um, Mm. The crypto itself has an interest for both customers and also in a peer-to-peer network as a, as a currency movement of value between different different partners. Mm. You know, NFTs, um, yes, there's the crazy art stuff, but actually mm. there's um, a bunch of capability coming down the pipe in technology around NFTs that makes them really interesting from a membership point of view. And okay. there are membership examples out there. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Metaverse over the top, which is where you, know, mm. you can create basically unbounded experiences. And, and you know, what do customers want post-pandemic? They yeah. want trust. They want value and they want experience because, mm. you know, they want transparency and trust for, for things that they, they're clear on. Yeah. And value because they've all been sitting there doing web shopping and they, they want to make sure they get the best price mm. um, for, for two years um, and experience because they're bored. And, and, and we have the opportunity within Web3 to create a whole bunch of different mechanics, these different layers using, I said, blockchain underneath as a technology using crypto mm. as a tool um, for um, particularly for value um transfer and storage mm. um nfts for me is a, actually a, a a tool for value capture and creation which mm-hmm. is interesting yeah and then metaverse is the is a space where you can create experiences and again i don't see metaverse being something that people say oh 3d headsets or whatever or, or mm. blocky pixelated 2d versions on a screen mm. metaverse um according to the guy that created pokemon go is everywhere you know, he talks about augmented. You know, you pull out a phone and you wave it around and when you want to, to see what's the other layer that is yeah. the digital across the physical that you're engaging with. Um, yeah. And people say, oh, well, you know, brands, will consumers completely exist in the metaverse? Well, I don't think so. They'll dip in and out. And yeah. um, people have talked about omni-channel before. Well, a lot. in the space I'm in, we talk about um, multi-layered. So that I'll go through different layers of virtual versus physical 
as a customer experience in real time. I'll be dipping in and out of these different layers. So mm. again, I'm just challenging us to think differently about what customers are expecting, how they will use, how they will engage, mm. um, and bringing that back, therefore, to then how do we design and work on value props and customer experiences within the loyalty space. So have you any examples, Stuart, you know, with all of those, you know, you've talked about a lot there and I, I do want to go back through them now in a minute, but blockchain, crypto, NFT and metaverse, you know, if there's a particular, you know, whether it's a company example or a, per, a personal example of um, of taking these and creating something new that you think is impressive. Uh, I think you mentioned Air Baltic uh, before yeah. we came on air. So that might be yeah. one to uh, to talk through. That is the NFT I bought this morning. So Ooh. I did buy a, a City cool. Collection um, NFT. Yeah. And it was interesting that actually it got flagged up recently. Air Baltic's plans for their Planes NFTs um, were flagged up recently. They released some, some press about what they were trying to do. And there was some criticism about this is just about why do we need this tech? And it's about this and it's about that. And I actually put a post back and said, Look, guys, they're just trying to learn. And actually, I've written an article that says, NFTs could be a better distribution for airline tickets than GDSs in the future. Because Ooh. actually, it's a better way of moving. It's a secure, trusted transaction. And mm. as a vehicle, an NFT, which is basically a bucket mm. with some code in it, mm. um, but in moved across a network with you know security and transferability, mm. could be a really interesting way for people to do things like airline tickets. Um, has anybody moved to an airline ticket-based NFT system now? No. But should they maybe try it in the loyalty space as getting yeah. their toes wet in something that they can maybe not quite get it right first time around? Mm. Sure. That's a great thing to do. And I think Air Baltic are super brave mm. in what they're saying around their um, investigation around NFTs. They're getting it right from my point of view in a certain extent because mm. the reason I bought the City Collection NFT is because they are going to launch something called Planey's NFTs. Okay. Um, and that Planey's NFT will have some value and it'll have some credits within the airline. And you can read on, on the web what they've been talking about. Um, but it will continue from there. And what we're talking about really is the concept of a perpetual game model. So okay. I get engaged here, but mm -hmm. I move to there. And the NFTs allows you to have this ability to um, burn one status and get another one because I've traded up. You know, like in a game, I've leveled up, um, mm. and that that becomes interesting. So mm. I think they've got a lot of the thinking right. Um, okay. In the article, they have actually um, all their board hold NFTs, um, but they're saying they're they're just playing. They're they're trying to learn about this stuff mm. with the future to see where it goes in the future. Um, and as I said, you know, putting something out there, mm. it's not about the money. It's about mm. the engagement. It's about having fun. It's about creating something that customers are interested in. Yeah. Um, and seeing how it lines to the business model for loyalty and the business model for the airline in the future. So mm. I said credit to them for doing it from a uh, yeah from an example point of view in their market cap of their um uh, of their city collection NFTs is only uh, sixteen thousand dollars today. They sold two hundred and twenty, which okay. is slightly slightly below the uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, which is the one people <laughs> have heard of, yeah. which is currently one point six billion. Um, <laughs> uh, and today there was a sale of Board Ape Yacht Club for um, one hundred sixty five thousand um, dollars. They wow. were sold for, I think, about a few hundred dollars in the first place. Yeah. Um, what they did, you know, Board Ape is a great example of how they've actually created. Value yeah. for people that people see value in, and the interesting thing behind Board Ape Yacht Club is 
in theory, there's a space, a metaverse, there is a space where you can go called Board mm. Yacht Club. Mm-hmm. And if you hold their NFTs, you are allowed access into different rooms. And okay, great. That's the kids playing. Mm. Starbucks have announced they're going to do the same thing. Starbucks have announced they're going to do NFTs mm-hmm. um, and their NFTs will allow customers to have different unlocked experiences and different mm-hmm. access. Mm-hmm. And therefore, one of the biggest loyalty programs of modern times is going to be engaging in this tool. Um, and Starbucks have also um, start, said that they're using um, blockchain technology underneath to transfer value between partners. Mm. Um, they haven't said they're going to move stars forward as a cryptocurrency, but oh my word, what would happen if they did? Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It'd be amazing. So yeah. I think you've got to look at, you know, over your shoulder hard at the moment if you're yeah. running programs and go, what is happening in the market, not just in our space, but in other space, yeah. um, and see what we can learn from and where can we where we can go with it. For sure. Wow. That's huge. And just so I'm clear, Stuart, the, the Starbucks exploration of NFTs and experiences, that's purely digital experiences. Am I right? Oh, I doubt it. Um, I, I think it will be an experience where you can, as an NFT holder, go into a digital space. They talk about third space in their strategy, which is the space between yeah. um, home and the store. Um, yeah. And they want to be involved in that third space, which they're not currently, which is why they're mm. doing the partnering uh, thing. Um, but I'm sure it will be a layered um, experience where, as an NFT holder, mm. I will certainly look at, you know, do I get a different flavor? Do I unlock this? Do I unlock that? Can they play a game with coffee and coffee mm. drinking that's mm. interesting, exciting to customers, way beyond the fact that it's a cup of caffeine with some milk in it? Sure <laughs> they can. They're bright yeah. guys. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the kind of experience they're going to try and create. Um, yeah. I said it's all nascent. This is very emerging. It's been announced, but not um, not not done yet. Okay. Um, you know, it's all bleeding edge. Um, but, you know, in terms of going out there and saying and trying to do and trying to trial, mm. um, now is a really good time to be trying to do that. And the one that you bought today, Stuart, that sounds mm. exciting, your your Air Baltic City collection uh, little investment. Is is that a piece of art? You mentioned NFTs and to me, NFT non-fungible token, in case anybody hasn't heard the full word. Not that that illuminates anyone, I don't think. <laughs> I think your container uh, explanation is, yeah. is, is a better, um, simpler uh, definition. But is that what you've bought, a piece of art? Or, or what is the, the city collection? Yeah, I've bought a, a piece of art. It's a, a numbered, um, I think I've bought number 98 of the 100 that okay. were released against um, as a piece of art. And it's for the city of Koldiga, uh, um, uh, which they've released. Um, but really what I bought is, you say, as an investment mm. in um, the fact that when they go to release the Plainies NFTs, mm. every wallet... And they can see this because it's transparent on the web. Mm. Every wallet on the blockchain, every web, every wallet that holds um, a city collection NFT will be airdropped. And this is the exciting stuff: um, airdropped free um, for free some of the Plainies NFTs. So by buying the city collection one and getting mm. involved into the relationship with Air Baltic, mm. when they go to their next level and they drop their Plainies NFT, I'm going to get some of those for free. Okay. I can also buy some potentially as a in a pre-mint environment, which means they're much cheaper than the market rate. Mm. Um, and it's a way of engaging. And you have this kind of, con- if you like, we used to, we, we've always drawn loyalty life cycles as, you know, acquisition, onboarding, activation and everything else. And in mm. the Web3 space, you've got, you know, you start with a POAP, which is a proof of attendance digitally, where I've been somewhere, I've done something. Okay. You may buy a smaller NFT. You get the chance to buy the bigger NFT because you bought the smaller one because mm. you hold two 
of the smaller ones, you get a chance to trade it up or throw those away and buy a, get a big different one. Mm-hmm. And what they're building is game models. They're building game engagement models that are as games through these tools and devices. And, and that is the... I think for me, the super interesting piece, we have to look at games. We have to look at customers mm. having choice and control and playing games the way they want to play them. And you know, mm. any program today that says the rules are these, the thresholds are these, and we're going to take away your points and downgrade your status and you know all these things, it's like you've got to think differently. Mindset has moved on. And by the way, I mean, the big thing behind Web3, I think, is um, today uh, every single launch program in the world is discretionary. What does that mean? You don't own the value in your wallet of your points. The program can be cancelled tomorrow and there's no liability. They can change in terms of conditions. There's no liability. They're not accountable for that. And that is very, um, and we've seen devaluations of programs all the time. Yeah. And that is very anti-crypto uh, thinking because if it's my value, I should be able to own it and I should be able to use it the way I want. And again, yeah. the Air Baltic press release says, if someone wants to earn gold status, through this approach and have an NFT with a gold status, if they want to sell that, why shouldn't they be able to sell that? Mm. They've earned it, their value, mm. points are attached to that. Mm. Why can't they sell that to somebody else? And I won't go into the technicalities of it, but you think about an NFT being a single bucket. Mm. You can also have NFTs that actually have multiple buckets attached to one NFT. Mm-hmm. So you can start to put different attributes behind it. Mm-hmm. And they could also have an NFT that also has value so currency attached to an NFT. So what you can do through the NFT route effectively is to model, remodel an entire membership and customer relationship and have mm-hmm. that all modular in a way that a customer can see it, can control it, can use it the way they want to do it. They can permission the data. They have control over the value. Mm-hmm. They can share it with somebody else or send it to somebody else, or sell it if they want. And this model is very anti-accountant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I say the word, because <laughs> yes. I used to work in client side and I know how the accountants run programs and I have challenged yeah. many accountants yeah. about why airlines are hooked on the crap cocaine, which is breakage. Yeah. Um, um, but it is the way that customers want to engage with programs in this new mindset. And not everybody, but 55, 50 million people playing Roblox. This is what they expect. Crypto natives who are yeah. trading, you know, crypto curious who may get there. Yeah. These are the people who will be engaging, and it's a it's a it's a movement that will, yeah. um, I think, become pervasive in some yeah. form, not everything, yeah. but some shape or form in everything we do, and of course in loyalty as well. And that was exactly my next question, Stuart, because as you were talking through, you know, the NFT piece, um, I was wondering if I was keeping up, actually, if I'm honest, you know, with all of the the potential, because again, it's the first time I'm exploring this. And what I started to wonder is, you know, is this something that is purely for the the highly educated, you know, um, risk savvy or, you know, investor types who are obviously the early adopters, and we know that, um, like, do you you genuinely believe that the mass market are going to understand all of these very complex concepts and are going to want to engage at scale? Let's say I'm going to pick, you know, in the next 10 years, you know, is it is it happening like that quickly, would you say? Oh, next three to four years. Uh, I can't see it being 10 because um, wow. I think Web3 brings so many um, advantages and opportunities for different experiences that People mm. will want to take more control, want to take more um, ownership of their data, as we've seen with the Brave browser. Definitely, yeah. Um, want to own their own points and their own value. Um, and the big tipping point will be them having a Web3-enabled wallet. 
Um, and today you have to have a Web3 wallet, like a Coinbase wallet that can hold your NFTs, it can hold your crypto, mm. and it gets you into um, metaverse space and you can use it to browse and transact and be involved. And I think that the, you know, the, uh, the secret um, project, I guess, is the, is the wallet project. That's the one that's going to be um, different. Mm. And I think you know, loyalty has an awful lot of opportunity to take mm. wallets to market um, mm. and, and be a partner and a vehicle for people getting Web3 wallets. Um, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the interesting strategy line. Probably shouldn't say that because I'm working on some of that stuff. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, the, that's the, the very exciting piece where you yeah. think differently about DeFi um, and where Web3 goes and all the different things you want to do with it, whether it's, as I said, you know, my identity, my data, my value, my vaccination certificates, my, you know, whatever it is, my university status. Yeah. It will be held on blockchain. It can all be held securely and mm. the individual can permission it out to different customers. And that's the, um, yeah. and that's the, that's the vision for the, I think the, the, the near to long term. but um, mm. certainly, um, you know, if you looked at the 14 year olds playing Roblox, they are, um, you know, 19 in five years time, mm. the mainstream consumers in, in five to 10 years time. Um, and they expect a different way of, of engaging and owning their own data and their own yeah. um, value. And I guess then the other piece that I'm wondering is, are they, you know, again, at scale, willing to put the work in? Because, you know, I often talk about the the principle of simplicity. And even yesterday, I was having a wonderful conversation with another, you know, thought leader, let's say, in loyalty. And we really talked about this importance of it might be time to strip back, you know, to your point about all the terms and conditions and the complexity and the the way that, you know, we don't own it and we don't trust it and whatever. So that principle of simplicity is something that I do think is critical uh, for adoption of certainly any loyalty program I've worked on. So do you think that's possible within these? um... Uh, Totally. I mean, um, again, the reason I didn't buy, um, you know, $10 million worth of Ethereum today at at 54 cents was because at the time you had to code a hard wallet. You had to literally code a hard wallet. Oh. Um, So know how to create one and set it up on the blockchain and everything else. Um, Okay. Obviously, now you can do soft wallets, which is just somebody else does all that work for you. Okay. And you can go into to one of these environments and you can you can trust them if you like um, and they'll do the work for you. Um, I, I think that um, taking away the complexity is still complex. Um, mm. And what you've got at the moment is a is a is a myriad of different ways you can do things. There's lots of different wallets and some, you know, um, NFTs and cryptos and exchanges ask for different wallets to different have different things. So it's all very diverse. But I yeah. think that um, you know it will start to converge at some point in time. And I think loyalty programs with their huge numbers of members have an opportunity to be a trusted partner and to strip away that complexity and say, look, here's something we're going to bring to you. It's easy and you can trust us because you've trusted us forever and you know who we are and everything else and we're a trusted brand. So as trusted brands enter this space, I think it will become a lot easier for people to get on board, Um, whether that's with a wallet, with crypto, with NFTs or playing in the metaverse. I think it'll make much easier. You don't really need to anything. You can go and walk around Decentraland um, as a guest. You don't need to have anything in there. Mm. Um, yes, you could connect a wallet if you wanted to, but you don't need to. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, we have an opportunity in the loyalty industry, in the loyalty space, to be icebreakers for mm-hmm. commerce uh, yeah. and for engagement um, in this new new environment. Yeah. 
Well, I do think that's an important point, uh, the power of the brand, Stuart. Yeah, I do think that's something that um, I hadn't really thought about in the context of uh, the trust piece. Um, so absolutely agree that um, loyalty programs have that at scale, as we know. The other thing that I was thinking, though, um, that that I think needs to happen um, is I've heard a lot about, you know, the fees being very high. I think the industry term is gas fees, Stuart. Am I right in terms of kind of getting involved and playing the games? Yes. <laughs> okay, I got my got my first bit of jargon. <laughs> Very good. If you um if you transact across a network, there are gas fees. So um, Ethereum is the is the main environment um which has gas fees and a lot of people have built smart contracts and and projects on Ethereum mainly because it was an easy way of minting tokens which they then put their projects on to try and make a lot of money. So Ethereum has a huge volume of of um transactions and Ethereum runs off the gas um ETH. ETH both has a volatility in its own price and the gas fee itself as a fee is also volatile in terms of the network um mm. so if um you have a lot of volume going through the network the gas fee itself the, the charge can spike and you've got volatility in the actual currency you're using to pay so it's yeah. actually um quite difficult but that's what they call layer one blockchain which is the the native core blockchain mm. what you can do with blockchain is what they call layer two which sits on top of layer one and it basically aggregates those transactions up. And there are many layer two solutions and people may have heard of something called Polygon, which is one of the, the leaders in that space. Mm. And basically Polygon will take those gas fees down by a factor of sort of take 90% off them because they aggregate the transactions up. Oh, it's still not, not cool. free, yeah. um, but it's a, way of, um, it's a way of reducing the fees. And there are other um, uh, networks that also run different, they'll have a fee, Different mm. different structures, um, and I guess the other part of that, something you touched on earlier, Paula, is um, the environmentally friendly nature of blockchain, which it clearly isn't. And I, I think I had yeah. uh, read somewhere that to mint a single NFT, to mint one, which is to create one the first time around on blockchain, it takes the same energy as running a house for twenty four days, which is crazy, wow. and we all, we all know that shouldn't happen. So, yeah, um, Ethereum itself originally, and getting back to twenty fifteen when it launched has been running on a particular way of working. I won't go to the detail of it, um, but it's called proof of um, work, which means that the computers that are processing the network and are competing to win those gas fees and get rewarded for paying for, for doing the work mm. are basically solving a nonsensical computer, computer algorithm. There is no value in the algorithm they do. So all this computing power that's being is a basically a race to, to solve the problem to get the right to post to the blockchain mm. um, doesn't do anything for anybody so all that energy being consumed in in this processing to earn the gas fees doesn't do anything for anybody which is madness wow. um, yeah. it's just it's just it's the way blockchain set up to do certain things but so ethereum itself is moving to something called proof of stake which will be much lower processing requirement it won't have a nonsensical model it will mm. be about people staking their reputation and they've been working on that and and are still um, trying to move to that particular model so that will take away a large chunk of the uh, environmental issues that sit behind ethereum blockchain okay the major one people are using and many other blockchains so cardano solano tezos other blockchains that are out there that are actually newer than Ethereum and more built for purpose don't use that algorithm. They don't use the proof of mm. um, 
work, which means that they mm. don't have the energy consumption. So it's a bit like, I guess you say, you know, aren't cars polluting? Yes. If you're looking at a um, mm. 1978 Ford Cortina, as I did have once half, um, <laughs> then yes, it's polluting. But compared to a, a built modern hybrid or Tesla, it's not polluting. So, um, you know, that has different challenges, but it's just the evolution of the technology and the industry um, as we uh, evolve the capability in the way that these things work in the back end. Mm. Um, it's still very nascent. It's still very emerging. Mm. Um, the capability is improving all the time as people invest and try and do mm. um, and solve the problems on the back end. Yeah. Well, I'm very pleased to hear about that. And I, I really like that idea of reputation um, as, as a new solution, because, you know, given, you know, we've certainly spent a lot of shows here talking about, you know, environmental concerns and, you know, using loyalty to address them and, you know, or, and then greenwashing. And, and honestly, it's such a big topic that, you know, I can just imagine, you know, chief marketing officers going, yes, I want to be the, the curious experimenting, you know, type of brand, uh, yet I have that potential backlash again from, you know, relatively, you know, lower uh, informed consumers like myself who might just kind of go, oh my God, why are they doing an NFT? That's outrageous. You know? That's right. That's right. So, you may, you may yeah. have seen in the in the press actually that Salesforce, one of the largest tech companies in the world, yeah. um, announced they're going to have an NFT marketplace. Um, okay. And a whole bunch of Salesforce employees wrote to Salesforce and said, oh. we don't like this. Um, oh, wow. And actually they were flagging the environmental concerns of that and, and yeah. Salesforce have gone ahead yeah. but they have moved it away from being an Ethereum-based solution to say we will use an environmentally friendly um, blockchain solution underneath. So uh, they've launched on that and yeah. Starbucks again on their own um, NFT model and yeah. their announcements have said exactly the same thing. They will not use an environmentally unfriendly blockchain behind it. So they're just wow. picking the hybrids or the Teslas, which is the right thing to do and yeah. being sensible with knowledge rather than following the herd and jumping onto Ethereum uh, as it stands today until it, until it changes. So, uh, you mm. know, it's uh, the more knowledge you have, the better decisions you can make in this space. Um, but it is mm. moving very, very quickly um, and keeping up with it is very hard. Well, absolutely. I can tell, which is why I love these kind of conversations, because you've done all the hard work and the research and I just get to ask all the questions. But um, but I really I like that idea, Stuart, that, you know, the prerequisite now, I think, for anybody listening to this can at least be to be aware that there are um, very different versions of blockchain from a computing perspective and to go and make sure that they understand that piece even before they risk anything from a reputation perspective and start there with whatever problem it is. They're, they're trying to solve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a blockchain uh, has two different types, you know, even in, in its own, own basic construct. Mm. So it's private permissionless, so private and uh, uh, permissioned, which is um, through big companies working together as a network, mm. and public and permissionless, like an Ethereum network where um, it's out there for everyone to see. And they two do two very different things, actually. They're there for different purposes. Um, so you've got to know what type of blockchain you want to use. Um, and according to the Dilbert cartoon, it's uh, purple because it has more RAM, I think <laughs> the manager quoted, um, which is actually a really useful <laughs> example 
for okay. uh, how people know about blockchain. Okay. Um, you know, even in crypto tokens, we can talk about a stable coin. People have heard of that, which is brilliant for transferring value between companies and a network. So you could imagine, mm-hmm. you know, a network of partners using a stable coin because they all want to actually get the money they expect at the end of it if they do a mm-hmm. blockchain transaction mm-hmm. and not some sort of variable because the, the rates changed yeah. versus a, a dynamic token, which is then super exciting to um to individuals because mm. um, mm. it's because it's going to be market priced. Now, mm. in NFTs, you have, as I said, three different types at least. You know, you've got the, the static NFT, you've got the composable NFT, you've got the um, the, well, the the top of the heap, which is the one that allows you to put it all together as a membership thing. So we can see different types of NFTs. Um, and then you know, metaverse, you know, what is it? Is it mm-hmm. 2D flat screens? Is it 3D headsets? You know, when I read uh, something about, you know, the metaverse, you know, 3D headsets. If it starts with 3D headsets, I've given up already because it's not about 3D headsets. Mm. That will be part of it, but mm. um, 2D screens are just as good. You know, mm. pulling out a mobile phone and, and waving it around is just as good using an augmented approach. Mm. So um, I think there's, you know, with all these things, there's so many levels of complexity mm. that um, I think the as marketeers, all we can do is go, what customer needs do we see in the future and how might we address them? And how yeah. we work backwards from Web3 thinking in the yeah. way that the customer wants it to be solved um, and not trying to push existing tech or existing ideas forward into this Web3 space. Again, I see customers say to, to me, great, we're going to go into Metaverse, have another day. And it said, you know, we want to, we want to launch shop in the Metaverse. I'm like, mm. why would you do that? You already have a shop. Mm. Launch an experience. Do something mm. that you can't do. <laughs> in physical yeah. world yeah and, you know create something completely different you know that that is about your brand and about expressing what you are trying to do and who you want to be mm. um more so than be bounded by replicating a, a web 2 model into web 3 and what about then i suppose just the idea of um connection in the metaverse Stuart? you know given that we know um there's so much of this i think craving for connection particularly post covid um the idea of connecting in a digital world um sounds to me a bit like you know a, a poorer version dare i say it of the facebook problems or the social media problems if i was more generous i suppose you know is is there an appetite and is there a, a real opportunity to connect in the metaverse in a way that's not, you know, I suppose, better in the real world. Like that's where I guess I'm struggling with why would I meet somebody in the metaverse versus down in the local pub or cafe? Sure. Um, but here we are having a digital conversation. So <laughs> mm, <true. laughs> you could say yeah. the same thing. Um, you know, it, it, I think there is, um, let me give you an example. So I read this somewhere. I quite like it. You know, if you offer a 13 year old child who plays Roblox, you know, well done for your, um, well done for your um, exams. Here's $100 to buy some new trainers, some cool new trainers. Yeah. The kid would turn around and go, can I have it in Roblox, please? Can I have it in Robux, which is the currency in Roblox? Okay. Um, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to buy trainers. Why would they buy virtual trainers rather than physical trainers? Yeah. With the same money? Because mm. they can hang out with their friends anywhere in the world. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be in a location that they have to go to. They could be down the park in the pouring rain. Yeah. They can hang out with their friends. They can wear the trainers. They can still look cool. Um, they can hang on to those trainers forever. They're don't, not going to go smelly and dirty. I'm going to clean them, do anything with them. And they can sell them again for whatever value they're going to get in the future. Why mm. would you want real trainers? Mm. And I think that for um, a chunk of, the, of people in the world, you know, virtual is the new real. And, and, and not just for 
connection and for social environment, but also for assets and, and things they're excited about. You know, when Gucci sold their Gucci handbags on, on Roblox, they sold for more than a real Gucci handbag. Wow. So people are excited about this stuff. If you look at what Nike are doing with crypto kicks and their shoes, they're going mm. for thousands of dollars. Virtual mm. trainers, not real trainers, never will be. Mm. Um, there's the digital um, concept where I buy a, um, a physical item and I have its digital twin in the metaverse as well. So I can have the handbag in real yeah. and I can have the um, virtual on, on the same thing. So I yeah. think the um, the connections thing is really interesting because, you know, who wants to be connected to who for what and how mm. is down to them. And if they want to go and have a virtual experience and, you know, I, I'll give you an example. You can't laugh at this, Paul. I'm sure you will. But my <laughs> my um, my Decentraland avatar is me in a kilt. I did get married in a kilt. Oh. A pair of Doc Martens on. Um, I think I've got yellow socks. Um, can't remember the jacket and a mohawk. Oh my god! So that's oh. me in the metaverse. Be who okay. you want to be, right? So um, yeah. don't have to see me <laughs> sitting by my computer <laughs> as a picture. You yeah. can see who I want to be, and I think that that, as you say, right at the beginning, the ability to be expressive and yeah. um, be who you want to be, and, and and not be limited by physicality, mm. is something that's very hard for people know my generation particularly to understand mm. but it's what these 13 year olds are doing when they go and play roblox or Fortnite or whatever else it is and, and i yeah. think that as marketeers we have to be experimenting now and learning now because otherwise it's going to come up and smack us in the back of the head we're not going to see it coming um in terms of what the experience that and the value and the, and the value props that customers are looking for in the future yeah. Yeah. And you don't get to our age, Stuart, without looking back with some, you know, well, for me anyway, some little regrets, you know, in terms of professional <laughs> opportunities. I kind of feel like I, I was aware of, didn't take action on um, and, you know, kind of watched the world move on. And I wasn't involved in certain things, you know, where, you know, I like to think of myself as somebody who's curious enough to, to do the exploratory piece. Um, but then sometimes when it comes to dedicating time, attention, and maybe some money into something. It's not been something I've been very good at in the past. Um, but I do, I, I agree, obviously, now as a, you know, a content creator, that there is something exceptional about creating, uh, whether it's digital or physical or whatever, like, you know, to me, this is similar to, I guess, what every business owner and certainly every loyalty program owner listening as well could probably relate to. There is something quite exhilarating about creating something in the world that didn't exist before, I think. Absolutely. I think we all want to be heroes. Um, the council tell us no, don't, don't yeah. do it because there's no money. I've heard people yeah. in, in marketing and advertising space say there's no volume in the metaverse, which there isn't. Um, but now mm. they're actually getting their brands coming to them to saying want to experiment. What yeah. they're trying to do is to find new ways of doing new things, not new ways of doing old things. And I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Um, you know, do something different. Um, I said hats off to Air Baltic for being brave and they're doing something. Is yeah. there a proven value behind it? No. Um, mm. Are other people thinking about it? Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm currently mm. involved in projects in the Middle East, um, looking at crypto loyalty. We're doing mm. um, NFTs uh, in Asia, mm. looking at and actually what Metaverse and Web3 can do for health in the in, in USA. Mm. There are a lot of projects out there that people are trying to find a way. And the only way to, to, to my view is to, to find it is to try and do it because mm. there are no proof points. You know, people say to me all the time, so where's mm. the proof this works? You know, who's yeah. done it before? Who's succeeded so far? Yeah. Nobody. 
So yeah. what's your favorite <laughs> to brave, right? So, yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, and if you said, you know, with examples and experience, go ask Blockbuster, what happens? We dedicate over your shoulder. Go ask mm-hmm. Kodak, what happens? We dedicate over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. some good examples in history where um, mm. people haven't been aware of what's coming up behind them. Yeah. Is this something? I think it will be. Will it take over the world? Not in the short term, but mm. be part of it. And I think, therefore, we have to think about it hard. We definitely do. And when you said, you know, here we are in a digital environment, I was going to ask, well, what's missing? And clearly it's your mohawk and <laughs> your kilt. <laughs> so I can see a multi-layered um, meeting in the future, Stuart. <laughs> well, it would make it exciting. And again, you can imagine companies meeting in, in the metaverse and people pitching up and, you know, they will turn the cameras on or will be their avatar if they want to be themselves. And they don't have to make yeah. themselves look smart for a, for a business meeting because they can be expressive and still be engaged. Yeah, It's just a different, different thing. And I think that, you know, there is a reason why these kids play Roblox because totally. it's engaging, because it's engaging. And that's what businesses yeah. want to have in meetings. That's what loyalty programs need to have with customers. That's what, that's what consumers and individuals crave. They want engagement. They want fun. And, and I think that you know, now's the time to put the fun into loyalty and, and, and move some of this stuff forward. Well, I'm completely sold, Stuart. As I said, mm-hmm. I've literally come out of a conversation yesterday about how little's been going on um, in general, I suppose, with their uh, mainstream programs. Um, so I do think uh, it's time to, to put the fun in and to try some uh, radical concepts. I have no idea where it leaves me in terms of what I might try that uh, might be radical, but you've certainly opened my my eyes and my mind, Stuart. So I think that's all the questions I feel like uh, I have for today. Do you think there's anything else important that we haven't touched on that's important for the audience to be thinking about? Um, I think we've covered a lot of the the whys um, and the theory. I think the only other thing to talk about really is the money. And, you know, when Adidas launched their NFTs, they did $44 million of NFTs in an afternoon. Wow. Um, If you look at some of the numbers that go through Axie Affinity Game and the um, very small value transactions, the numbers are billions of dollars. I said, you know, the Board Ape Yacht Club, I think it's a $1.6 billion franchise now based on people creating a whole bunch of pictures of apes in the the first place. So, um, you know, Air Baltic haven't got it with their current NFT set. They may have in the future. It becomes Mm. valuable. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is a new... um, it's also thinking about commerce a different way um, and thinking about how you can capture and, and create value. If you could imagine, um, again, if you look at what the sports companies have done with Socios and, and, and the NFTs they've done there, mm. um, capturing a moment of a, of a match, you know, and the NFTing that. In, and actually, the good example is NBA Top Shot, Top Shot, which is one of the top um, NFT um, marketplace collections out there. So mm. the NBA take moments from the game. Mm. And they encapsulate them as an NFT and people buy those for three, four hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Um, and that's a value that wasn't there before. Um, so they've captured and, and they've captured and, and created that value. So, you mm. know, in the world space, you know, our magic as loyalty marketeers is value creation. Right. Yeah. We know that. We know that's what we need to do. High perceived value, low cost. Yeah. Oh my word. You know, look at what we can do with not just blockchain that makes things more efficient. The yeah. crypto that makes things more exciting, mm. NFTs that make things more valuable, a metaverse mm. that adds a layer of experience. And if you go two plus two plus two, you get ten, mm. not just uh, not just six. Because yeah. I think layering these things together makes it super exciting. Mm. And you know, I think get the experience right first, get the value prop right, and hopefully the money will follow. 
Well, for sure. I mean, clearly there is explosive potential at the risk of overstating it. I mean, honestly, there is a lot of thinking to be done, as you said, a lot of experimenting to be done, um, a different mindset and a shift, I think, for for all of us that, um, you know, are aware of this potential. Um, I think it's a, a wonderfully exciting space. So I, I'm guessing a lot of people listening now, Stuart, are going to want to connect with you. So where's the best place for people to find you if they have questions about Web3? 3.0. Oh, uh, Stuart C.G. Evans on LinkedIn. Um, okay. Hit me through there. Um, you can find me and uh, yeah, have a question, have a point of view. Love to have yeah. a debate because there are no right answers. And um, you know, so it's doing it is the way to find out. For sure. Yes. And of course, I'll make sure to, to link to your LinkedIn on the show notes as well. And if anybody's listening and wants a direct introduction, of course, to Stuart, please just let me know and I'll make sure to put you in touch. So I think it's been wonderfully exciting. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention, Stuart, before we wrap up? And I enjoyed that very much, Paula. Thank you very much. And um, look forward to speaking to you again soon. It's been fun. Wonderful. I enjoyed it too. So Stuart Evans talking all about Web 3.0. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.